For the first time, Agency Unfiltered has two featured guests. We're joined by Mike and Nicole Rose, CEO and COO of Dallas-based Mojo Media Labs, a Diamond HubSpot agency partner. Mike and Nicole join us to talk about open book financial management, a practice in which Mojo shares their financials with the team to have everyone think like business owners. We talk about why they incorporated this financial transparency, how it's impacted the organization, and how they've been able to level up the team's financial literacy. Are you looking to lean into OBM yourself to reap the benefits on your own revenue growth and culture? There's no better place to start than this episode. Let's do it. Uh, well, hello, both of you. Um, another couchy episode of Agency Unfiltered. Uh, actually, I know we were just talking about this, but the first time we've ever had two guests. So very excited uh, to dig in with both of you today. Um, I'm sorry to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be a whole new dynamic. I can't go anywhere without me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so what we're here to talk about today, open book management, open book financial management. Yep. Uh, sounds like something Mojo leans into uh, pretty well. And so I'm mm -hmm. excited to unpack it. Maybe the easiest place to start is to just explain what OBM is uh, and why should the, the viewers today uh, care or mm -hmm. why do they deserve to, to hear about it? Sure. Would you like to start? No, you go ahead. So OBM, uh, an acronym for Open Book Management or Open Book Financial Management, is essentially a practice to share the financials uh, within, in our case, the agency mm -hmm. uh, to hopefully uh, have everybody think and act like business owners. Great. Yeah, and so he hit upon like why should you know agencies care and and, and you know why do we care? Um, is number one we wanted to create a transparent um, you know agency. We believe that everybody comes to work each day to want to do their best job and to be able to help to contribute to the success of the company. Um, and oftentimes the issues um, start to become pretty apparent based out of the numbers um, that you see. And so when those are hidden, when you know the team members don't understand what the numbers are saying, they can't help so much. Right, so um, so this is a great way to be transparent. But ultimately, um, the idea is to help uh, you know allow people to think and act like owners. Um, so, and on the transparent side, um, you know, we're married. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with that, I think in the center of any healthy relationship is trust. And whether you're a husband wife or you're part of a uh, an agency or you're you're, you're a spouse of, of outside the agency, whatever the relationship is, um, really trust is, is the center point. So the way we demonstrate trust uh, in our agency is to share the numbers and become very transparent is part of the process to establish trust. So we can't think of another way to be more transparent uh, than to open up how the business is performing financially, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. And that's just one of the pillars of transparency that we have, which is OBM. I love that. So it sounds like, mm -hmm. if anything, trust and transparency breeds buy-in across the organization, right? Like mm -hmm. they feel the trust piece, okay, this is great, like I'm a, I'm a part of this business, I'm thinking like a business owner, but then there's buy-in for it to succeed and, and perform well, right? Which I, I bet yields very positive results. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's easier for the team members to understand why decisions are, are made. Mm -hmm. Right, because they understand what's happening. So um, it, it, there's agreement, there's transparency, and also we talk about those t you know type of decisions and how they're going to impact the numbers. Um, but one fundamental thing with OBM it is more than just sharing the financials. So I, I want to touch upon that really quickly because within Open Book Management, everybody in our company um, has a part and responsibility 
in actually managing the numbers. And so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. So it's one thing to kind of share your P&L and open up your books, which um, you know we did that many years ago and it didn't have the impact that we were hoping. So this is a lot more um, in depth and exciting. So it's not just the visibility, here it is, but it actually sounds like owning, owning a piece of it. Um, and then so yeah. that actually leads to my next question. So this is great, right? I'm, I'm bought in, uh, what are the core components you mentioned? numbers so like mm -hmm. what specifically are they having access to what do they look at what numbers specifically do they own mm -hmm. uh, let's unpack that a little bit sure I, I think before the numbers though is really starting with general numbers you know gross profit mm -hmm. net income those kind of very simple things in order to really establish what financial literacy is um, a lot of a lot of people think that if an agency owner uh, if the agency's making a million dollars a year, then clearly the agency owners are making a million dollars a year. And, and that's not the way it works. What you bring in is not what you bring home. So some of us take that for granted. And in order to establish uh, a culture of financial literacy, we really start with the most basic and the most fundamental of numbers. And, and over time, as people continue to play, uh, the, practice the rituals and whatnot, then they start to understand that there's a difference uh, between what a fixed expense is and what a variable expense is and what gross profit is and what net income is. And over time, uh, they can then see how they fit into that whole ex income and expense structure and then how to impact the numbers positively. Mm -hmm. But for us, we decided to open the books up to include everything uh, to except for individual salaries. Mm -hmm. But beyond that... Just like it uh, makes sense, yeah. yeah uh, well, a lot of people start with just very high up on what we would call mm -hmm. the profit and loss statement and just sharing revenue. And revenue is an open book, right? Um, but really getting into the fundamental numbers of the entire profit and loss statement is, is really important to us. Mm -hmm. So the components, I think your, your question was kind of around the components um, of OBM. Um, and so uh, uh, you touched upon um, the most important part, which is really the critical number. Um, but you have to start with creating a plan or a budget. Um, so in essence, you know, creating what your year is going to look like. Um, and then for us, from a line item ownership, um, we actually have every single line item on our P&L that is, that is managed and overseen by somebody at Mojo. Um, for example, we've got um, one of our digital marketing specialists who manages the general office expenses. Um, and so his responsibility is to, one, truly understand that number, what goes into it. He helps to forecast you know, what we're going to be spending every given month. Um, and then if we have variable expenses come up, people have to pass them through him. And he really ultimately makes the call you know, on whether or not we make those expenditures this month. And so um, it's really empowering. I mean, it's, it's great. You know, it took a little while for people to stop coming to us and saying, well, can I do this? It's like, well, you know the numbers um, and, you know, and so make a decision and, um, and, and people do. So it's, it's from top to bottom the, from a line item ownership perspective. And our, our folks, uh, though they may not know this coming in, but they definitely know it within the first few months of practicing uh, the game is, uh, is what general ledger expenses are, what general ledger numbers are. So mm -hmm. the GL numbers and uh, the, the items are, are shared. Uh, some of them are rolled up to, like you mentioned, general office expense. Uh, some is uh, under software as a service. So as an agency, we uh, utilize a lot of software uh, and, and that's a big expense. Um, and it only, it seems to always come in at $15 a month or $5 <laughs> a month or convenient payments of X, which don't seem to be a lot. But if you're managing software as a service as a line item, and you've budgeted your number out for the entire year, and that one easy installment of five dollars 
comes in, then we don't make that decision. Uh, it goes to that person managing mm -hmm. that line item, and then they make the decision whether we should do it or not. Uh, if it's within budget and it makes sense, we will, uh, he will. Uh, if not, then they'll try to figure out, okay, team, let's come together. Let's look at what we're paying for and what we actually need uh, and see if we can make room for this this tool that you might want. Yeah. So the magic really comes in on our uh, weekly huddles. Mm -hmm. So the entire company comes together Monday at 11 a.m. Um, and every person who owns a line item comes prepared to share what their forecast is for what that how that month is going to end out. So, um, you know, month one, as we're forecasting, is probably not going to be as accurate as when we get further along to the month and have a better idea. But at the end of the week, um, one. week one, yes, thank you. Um, Weekly meetings, but it's for that monthly. It's correct. for that month. Got yes, it. exactly. So, so we all meet. Um, everybody reports, you know, out on their number. And in essence, we're building our P&L every single week. Um, and so there's variables. You know, we're going to know more. Maybe um, prospects have gotten further in the pipeline. So revenue, you know, numbers are more clear. Uh, expenses and so forth. And so, um, so it's really cool. Um, everybody comes to the huddle. It's 20 minutes. Um, we report on our numbers, and then we break. Um, and you know, as you can imagine, everybody is is bought in from knowing the numbers. But we also all win together. We all lose together. And so, based on hitting the goals of the company, which for us our critical number is profit before tax. So basically, the bottom line profit. If we're meeting our numbers, um, then everybody it's tied to a bonus program, okay. and everybody knows exactly what kind of bonus they'll be able to get. So. Um, it's basically a lookup chart, you know, one through 20. And that's another part of Open Book is choosing your critical number. Mm -hmm. So some, we've decided to choose bottom line or, or net income or profit before tax, however you want to describe it, EBITDA. Um, some companies decide to share gross profit or whatever the case might be. But the lower you can go down on the profit and loss statement, the more transparent you're going to become as an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There's two things I want to unpack there. I, you, you, this is incredibly helpful. You've mentioned financial literacy, mm -hmm. and then you mentioned like how each individual owns a number. So I want to mm -hmm. do both of those. The first one in regards to financial literacy, how do you build a process or what does like the formal training look like for, for new hires or anybody that's going to be like, yeah. become an owner for a number? How do you ensure that their financial literacy is top-notch, ready to have these strategic forecasting and, and budget huddles? So the way we get people up to speed uh, on OBM, particularly if they're, they're a new hire, uh, a new mojo maker, as we say, we don't <laughs> like to use the word employee, so we say mojo makers, um, they basically uh, get paired with somebody who's been playing uh, much longer um, or been practicing. So we're moving into, I think, our fourth year of practicing open book management. So there's some veterans on the team. Um, so that generally they'll shadow somebody. A great example of getting people up to speed is are the interns. So we have interns every summer, and as you can imagine, uh, the interns' um, knowledge of how a business operates may not be as great, but when they do leave, they know exactly how a business is run. So a good example would be an intern would shadow somebody uh, on a line item uh, and help them go through the exercise of forecasting that number for the week, every week throughout mm -hmm. the month. Um, that means they have to have access to the budget, they have to look at the line items that are coming in from the charges perspective. Um, and be able to help forecast that number. Um, ultimately, though, we start with the most basic of fundamentals, like how to manage a home budget, or how to, if you get a dollar, um, how do you spend that dollar through the month if it were to be uh, sectioned off as a percent? So if, you're, if your rent is 10% and your food budget is 5%, then how do you invest this money moving forward? So mm -hmm. it's really not making it is it, it's a, a business is not complicated. Um, I think we have a tendency to make it much more complicated than it really is. But really breaking it down to its fundamental levels and then teaching that literacy 
is has got just tremendous impact on them personally because we've learned that they then take it home and then start saying, hey, how much are we putting away for this? Or how much are we saving for that? Or what decision-making process are we going through to to set ourselves up personally on a much more financial Yeah, their personal so budgets are probably way more mm -hmm. buttoned up uh, than what they would we, have been. We hope, mm -hmm. we hope that that right. happens because we just feel that people, our children are so underserved in, in schools and not learning how budgets work or how to save for money or save for uh, future expenses mm -hmm. or you know going into debt like we're hearing all the time so if we can impact you know people on a personal level at work that becomes a pretty special thing and it really fits into our our mission as an agency which is to help people grow smarter so if we can help folks grow smarter on the personal side as well as on the professional side then we feel like we've accomplished our mission that's great and the mm -hmm. second half of that question was how do we assign um, a mojo maker to a particular number. So is there a thought process? Is it just based on what's available? I mean, what does the, what does the process look like to assign person to, to number, if there's one? Yeah, so um, so what we try to do is, uh, first of all, someone will own a line item typically for six months, maybe a year if mm -hmm. it's really complex. And so we have a chance to kind of change it up. And sometimes when someone else gets a line item, they might have a new fresh perspective, you know, on it. So it um, rotates, it's not permanent yeah, it by rotates, any means. Yeah. It, it yeah. rotates, it rotates. Um, so, but what we try to do first is who would naturally be closest to this, you know, expense in this line item. And so we try to go there first. Um, and then some are just going to be, you know, outside of it. Like, you know, we have a travel budget. Well, there's no one on our team who actually is, you know, responsible for managing, you know, all of our travel, right? We're an agency. Um, and so, uh, you know, from that perspective, it's, you know, who's left, you know, we oftentimes will ask for volunteers who is interested in wanting to know more about that information and things like that, and then we'll assign. Oh, so. Gotcha. so there's obviously, I think, bigger, higher priority numbers, and then there's like smaller secondary numbers. And so it's assignment, but then well, whoever wants to volunteer for some of those smaller ones, is that? Yeah, I mean, I, um, kind of, and I wouldn't say, I'd say they're all important, right? Well, um, sure, but, right but, but some- The some cadence in which they need to be updated might be different, or? I, I, think, I think we haven't really talked through this, but I think one of the ways we intuitively go through it is, you know, there are variable expenses and then fixed expenses, right? So a fixed expense might be rent. And, and rent is going to be static all year long, so it's easy to forecast it on a weekly basis because okay. it's fixed. But some of the variable costs um, are is something that goes to somebody a little bit more experienced. Um, and all revenue, for the most part, is pretty much variable in, <laughs> in, an, in an agency. Um, you have retainers, but then you have renewals and churn and everything else. So, um, so we really break out the revenue into I think four or five different line items, so we can spread that that that, that weight out. But generally, someone who's a little bit more experienced, who have been playing a little bit longer, um, will take a more variable line item. Um, but then somebody who with a fixed expense may, or a fixed line item might be able to uh, um, uh, grow into by shadowing and then playing uh, mm -hmm. with somebody like that. Well, and so I'll give you an example. Um, uh, our website project manager. Um, so she has the website, you know, revenue line item. So she is the one who's responsible for it because obviously she's the closest to it. Mm -hmm. um, we have our, you know, our senior lead developer and he is very passionate about software, you know, as a service. And so he owns the software as a service line item. So he gets to evaluate all the new tech that's coming in, you know, to the agency and going, are we using it? Who should be using it? And so we try to just naturally assign, you know, to people who would be, you know, closest to it. Our um, director of new business development owns the sales and marketing budget um, and so forth. So that we try to do that first, but some things just don't fit that way. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we take volunteers who would like to, you know, own those and then go from and there. To use an example outside the agency world, that's pretty common in the OBM community 
is uh, take a restaurant for example. A restaurant may take um, put a bunch of expenses under one line item or one general ledger code. Um, but as people get more involved, as they become more comfortable with transparency, as as employees learn how businesses run and they're thinking like owners, then they can start unpacking some of those line items that are generally rolled up. Mm. So a restaurant ex example is there was a, a waiter who then got uh, got the responsibility of managing utensils uh, down to the utensil expense side uh, and then he came up with an idea like an owner probably would is what if I were to ask people coming into the restaurant do you want a straw or do you not want a straw by asking that question he was able to save the money the the company which is many different locations uh, thousands of dollars a mm -hmm. month based on that now it was eco-friendly and everything else but uh, when it comes down to the, the expense side, they were able to save a lot of money because they were managing that line item. The same thing with throwing away utensils and saving utensils. The, 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 the dishwasher was able to manage a line item on saving utensils. So it's really how far, how deep, and how, how broad you really want to take it, which it gets exciting. The restaurant example makes a ton of sense. I'd be interested to put you on the spot here. Has mm -hmm. there been an agency example where asking that sort of question or like having that owner mindset allowed you to uh, save uh, save money somewhere or increase revenue or, or fat and profit margin in a particular <laughs> aspect? Every day. Every, always? Yeah, Every day. And some, some examples are small and some are larger, but um, yeah, this is this was uh, one of the first things that we saw when we implemented OBM was um, uh, one of the gals who was managing at the time our general office expenses. Well, we, you know, we buy coffee and, you know, we go through a lot of coffee and what she ended up realizing is that people were making these big vats of coffee at the end of the day, but maybe only, you know, taking one cup. So they were throwing it away. So she went out to the team and said, okay, guys, you know what, this coffee is expensive and we're having to purchase it now every, you know, every few weeks instead of on a monthly basis. Um, and so from now on, if you're going to be making coffee at the end of the day, um, you need to make sure it's going to, you know, people are going to drink it. So, I mean, so that's, yeah. right, so that's and, a small. And to, and to roll that, uh, even that small mm -hmm. thing up to a larger, that small thing led to, does every agent in the world offer snacks, free snacks, you know, all this stuff. And, and our folks don't take that for granted. You know, you, you take off, you take coffee, and you roll it up into snacks as an agency. I mean, there's, there's, that's a pretty decent budget for us anyway. So being mm -hmm. able to say, hey, not if I'm going to take a snack or not, <laughs> but to know that this snack, these snacks, these free beer, wine, keg, all this stuff that we have, is is provided truly because we we care, and 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 they see the expense that 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 the agency is now incurring as a result of that. And uh, that becomes a pretty special thing. Mm -hmm. my, I think, though, my favorite story is uh, going back to an intern. Oh, yeah, we, for sure. This is good. <laughs> we, had a, we have a line item, recruiting fees. So if we need to hire another mojo maker, there's, there's, there's ways to go about to attract and recruit mm -hmm. uh, new, new folks. And, and one of the ways to do that is, as most people know, is go through a, a placement agency. And that is very expensive um, to, to do so. And uh, long story short, we made an announcement in a staff meeting that we hired this person, and it was the intern. It was this intern who stood up and just quickly said, that my line item is the recruiting <laughs> fee. How did we get this person? Do we have to go through a recruiting agency? And if we did, how much was that? Because I don't, I don't want it to impact my line item. <laughs> and the, the result was, no, we didn't. It was somebody referred this person to the, to the company. And it was, it was through that thought process to say, how can we reduce this line item or perhaps eliminate it altogether by uh, going through and, and, and having current happy employees refer mm -hmm. the next happy employee. Mm -hmm. So that really drove, drove that. Um, That's great. That mm -hmm. 
Now, um, in regards, I don't know the cadence in which you have uh, performance reviews or how you mm -hmm. assess your team, but obviously I would assume that they have their primary day job and then they also have the number two. So how does that factor in to performance reviews and kind of how they're assessed as a, a team member? You know, that, that's that's a good question. We don't necessarily roll in the OBM number to their assessment, if you will. Mm. Um, really, their reward on, you know, good or bad is, is, is the bonus plan where it's tied to that. And so that's really where the motivation is. Um, and it's kind of a game at our company, too, to forecast really well. So it's like who can get closest to what the actuals are going to be, right? And so um, everybody takes it very seriously because they don't want to be the one line item that's like so far off when we <laughs> thought we when we yeah, thought we yeah. were going to be hitting you know a 14% bonus that quarter but because of their line item that wasn't forecasted well you know we're at five so you don't want to be that guy mm -hmm. um, so from that perspective it's um, it's pretty self-motivating you know and really the whole team is behind it so there's there's no true management that need, really needs to happen you know from us around so that it's not or, like a formal review piece but I think just the overall ownership um, but then just, it sounds like there's like a gamification piece, like almost like competitiveness it's, internally too. You know, it's, it. it's, it's, it's great that you, the, you mentioned the word game because that's really what this is. Okay. We have gamified, you know, this isn't boring. Our meetings are exciting um, and it really is a game. In fact, um, part, of, uh, part of open book management is called mini games. And mm -hmm. so mini games are literally little mini games that you play um, to on fix. On a quarterly basis. Though. On a quarterly basis to fix uh, a problem that can help you to reach your goals and for us profit you know goals and so they could be any which thing we had um, we had one mini game that was um, uh, to in essence people were getting distracted by you know too many people coming interruptions things like that so we, we implemented time blocking so that everybody could have like blocks of time you know specified you know air, times of the day mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody could get their work done so we could be a lot more efficient and effective and you know hit our hit our due dates and um, uh, so we called it time blocking as a beach and you know the team made an entire you know, like physical game board every time you know we hit a good time block day there'd be a little flip-flop that'd be put on the game board little mini prizes along the way to get there and so um, there's lots there's lots of gamification you know within this so I think only two more questions or so for you and, and so from an agency that does not currently uh, utilize ABM it's not currently a piece of, of kind of their their uh, like methodology or process, how do I get started today? Where's the easiest place um, to, to get going and to implement this uh, back home? My take is I think uh, it starts with the culture. I mean, we, we had to get our culture right first. Um, we, had, uh, we had the wrong culture for a lot of years, mm -hmm. and as a result, we appreciate a great culture because we've had a bad one. And we've tried to implement in the past, and, and it, we had some failed attempts uh, for many different reasons, but we had to really focus on our mission, vision, values first and make sure that we have the right people on the team. Though they may not be in the right seats, we knew we had the right people. And with that then, we were, as we do as an agency, we were, we were transparent and saying, listen, this is where we want to go. This is where we ultimately want to be. This is the benefits behind it. We don't have all the answers. Let's sit down and figure this out together. So mm -hmm. we started with a design team for six months. Um, and then we slowly rolled it out to everybody mm -hmm. else. Yeah, so so I couldn't agree more. I mean, definitely culture. You know, having a, a, a good culture is, I think, an important foundational element before you know rolling you know rolling something like this out. Um, but I, I I tell agency owners, if you're not ready to jump in with both feet, then 
you're not ready. Don't do it yet. Uh, it, it, to try to dip your toe in the water and do little bits of it, it's not going to be effective. That's kind of what I've witnessed, you know, with quite a few companies who've done little bits of it and they're like, I don't get it. This isn't working. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be, you know, immersive, either all in or all out. Um, and so, but take it slow. And so the design team, what Mike was referring to was basically getting a, a, a group together of, you know, probably four or five and planning out what your budget is going to be. Um, and then, you know, just rolling out, you know, all the pieces of it and then playing the game amongst the design team for several months and trying to do the huddles, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be kind of awkward and weird, you know, at first, and then roll it out to the entire company. So design um, team is like like a pilot group? Yeah, kinda? yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Kind of the group who's building, you know, the program piece by piece before rolling it out and then practicing it to see where mm -hmm. the issues might be. And, and this is a big, complicated uh, uh, topic, and I can see if I'm listening or watching this that it's like it's, this might be too difficult to implement or I don't still don't understand the benefit. Of, of doing something like this. But we have three pillars to our culture. It's the values, it's open book management, it's another piece uh, called ROW, or results only work environment. But for OBM, um, I would encourage at least to start learning about the topic because I promise there are people in your agency right now who are breathing life into your company or they're sucking the life out of it. <laughs> and you, the more people you can get breathing fresh air into your company and, and not trying to be in it for what's in it for me, kind of sucking the life out of it, it weeds those people out really fast. And, and that's important uh, just from a culture filter perspective, but um, it really does drive ultimately business results. And if you want to figure out a way to monetize a great culture or to show uh, from a quantitative perspective that you have a great culture beyond just an NPS or Glassdoor rating is really the financial performance of the agency. And we should be running healthy mm -hmm. businesses. That There's so many benefits to that. <laughs> and owners work way too hard, way too long to not have a healthy uh, profit margin. And, and everybody can play a role into that. And if they do, then they all get to benefit. And ultimately, that's, that's what we feel like it's all about. Mm -hmm. I think you've both mentioned a few times to the o OBM, OBM <laughs> community. And so if I wanted to learn more or it, like, what does the community look like? What are resources out there that I can learn more if this mm -hmm. is to your point, this is something I do want to jump into uh, with, you know, head first. Yeah. yeah um, so one website um, that I'd recommend checking out is greatgame.com. Um, great game of business, um, and it's it's in essence telling the story of um, you know someone who helped to kind of create uh, the concept of open book uh, management. But there's all sorts of resources. Just you know, googling open book management mm. um, will you know unlock all sorts of things. And there's an annual uh, gathering in Dallas every year uh, called the Great mm -hmm. Games, uh, <laughs> the Great Game of Business, um, and that too has just been very helpful to find that community. But it's really not a well-known kind of, it's almost like an underground kind of community right now, and it should be more well-known. I think it's more prevalent in the manufacturing space mm. where there is more waste um, that could potentially occur, though our waste in our agency world is time. So it's not a product per se, but you know we have to monetize time. And, and therefore, we're finding other agency owners who have been playing this and playing it longer mm -hmm. than us, and we love connecting with those folks and seeing what they really have on their on their huddle board as we say mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's not just quantitative sometimes it's it's how many steps the the, the, the folks have taken to the past uh, month for for a healthy 
healthy lifestyle or mm. you know community how, how much love you get from a client from the client base on how many loves you've got or so it, it can be really kind of organically grown over time to say hey we're tracking this and we're forecasting this now let's track this too mm -hmm. and it really becomes really fun when yeah. it starts to take on a life of its mm -hmm. own in, in in our the team members in our agency are the mojo makers and um, they own it and so just to, to kind of prove that point mike and i don't lead the huddles um, in fact, we have a line item, um, and sometimes we're there, sometimes we're not. Um, but the team, you know, we've got people who lead it. If they're not there, they, you know, turn it over to someone else. So they're managing the entire huddle, and so it's the collaboration of the entire team. So I think that's a good point. I think it's it's important to get to a point in time, very short, that the owners are not involved. Mm -hmm. um, that's when the the it can take a life of its own mm -hmm. in a very positive way and uh, there's a lot more life being breathed into the agency than, than being sucked out. Yeah. Great. That's the ideal state. That's, that's fantastic. Um, final question for you both um, and you might have a unique OBM-esque answer to this but what do you think is the uh, weirdest part of agency life? The weirdest part? The weird well for, for our agency it's Mike. <laughs> Good answer. I'm <laughs> she stole my answer. Yeah, you're like, I was gonna say me. Uh, what would you say to that? The, the weirdest part. Agency life in general. Um, you know, if you're not specializing, we're just in so many different businesses, and we have the opportunity to impact those businesses. And I think one of the more difficult things is from from an agency perspective is managing many different clients. I think there's this fascination if you're on the agency side what it's like to be on the client side mm -hmm. or what's it like to be you know dealing with a single brand but you know as a even working on the client side uh, you're going to be most likely managing multiple different channels with managed by many different agencies so there's always this multiplier effect but um but yeah i think it's 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 having such a great impact on or maybe not depending on how your team's set up mm -hmm. on on your your clients businesses yeah you know? that's great Awesome. Well, that's it for me. I appreciate you both uh, coming on Agency Unfiltered. This was an exciting episode, obviously, with two us. guests, <laughs> uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Thank you both. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. If you like what you watched, make sure to subscribe to our Agency Unfiltered newsletter, which will remind you when the next episode drops, as well as send you a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content. You could also subscribe to our channel on YouTube or podcast on SoundCloud. And if you want to keep the conversation going, tweet me at Kevin underscore Dunn. Remember, keep it unfiltered, stay weird. I'm Kevin Dunn, and I'll see you next time.